Welcome on to NBA Recap. Today is Thursday, December 30th, and we had eight games on in the NBA last night, so let's get right into them. Starting off in Detroit, the Knicks defeated the Pistons 94-85. In Indiana, the Hornets beat the Pacers 116-108. In Boston, the Clippers beat the Celtics 91-82. In Chicago, the Bulls beat the Hawks 131-117. In Memphis, the Grizzlies defeated the Lakers 104-99. In Phoenix, the Suns cruised past the Thunder 115-97. In Portland, the Jazz defeated the Trailblazers 120-105. And finally, in Sacramento, the Kings just edged past the Mavericks 95-94. And of course, the Spurs Heat game was postponed. So we will break down all eight of those games in just a moment. But first, if you'd like to follow the show on social, we are at NBA Recap Pod, or you can just search YouTube or Smart Speakers for NBA Recap Podcast. And if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing or leaving a review. It really helps get the word out. All right, so starting off today in Detroit, where the Knicks defeated the Pistons 94-85. to The Knicks were led by Alec Burks. He had 34 points off the bench on an incredibly efficient 12 of 17 shooting. He had five three-pointers, and they also got 18 points from Emmanuel Quickly, also off the bench, whereas the Pistons were led by Sadiq Bey and Hamadou Diallo. Bey had 32 points in the starting lineup, and Diallo had 31 and 13, so incredible performances from those two for the Pistons, but unfortunately, they were just edged by the Knicks in the fourth quarter. This game was back and forth. It was definitely a game of runs. Throughout the first quarter, it was back and forth, but then in the second, the Knicks started to pull away. They were leading by 13 points after an alley-oop from Mitchell Robinson with 6.57 left on the clock. But the Knicks weren't able to maintain that lead throughout the rest of the second quarter. The Pistons cut the lead to within double digits by halftime, and then it was actually the Pistons that were on fire in the third quarter. They quickly took the lead and then established a double-digit lead themselves. They were leading 66-52 to after an 18-footer from Derek Walton with 3.18 left on the clock. So just like that, it was the Pistons who had taken control of this game. The Knicks' offense was just totally stagnant at the end of the second and beginning of the third quarters, but then that totally flipped at the end of the third quarter. It was like a mirror image of the second, except this time it was the Pistons who were losing their lead, and so by the end of the third, it was the Knicks who had cut the deficit to within double digits. But unfortunately for the Pistons, their offense never got going in the fourth quarter. They were pretty atrocious. They were outscored 30-14 to in the fourth, and so the Knicks were able to not only take the lead, but reestablish another double-digit lead, and they cruised to victory in the end. And so it was definitely an up-and-down game for both teams. Overall, the Knicks shot a little bit better than the Pistons from the field, 38% versus 37%, but the Pistons were actually significantly better from beyond the arc, 34% versus just 25% from three for the Knicks. And both teams were quite sloppy with the ball as well, 17 turnovers for both teams, but New York had a slight advantage on the rebounds. So in the end, it was a gritty win for the Knicks in Detroit, led by their bench and with this win they now improved to 17 and 18 so they are back in ninth in the eastern conference they had dropped all the way down to like 12th but they are back in the playing game tournament now one game up on the boston celtics in 10th and just half a game behind the washington wizards in eighth and the knicks have a negative 0.2 point differential they are on a three-game winning streak and they're five and five in their last 10 games and as for the Detroit Pistons, this loss takes them to 5-28. and So they are firmly at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. In fact, at the bottom of the entire league. They are one game out from the Magic in 14th. And they are 18 and a half games off the top spot, the Brooklyn Nets in first. And the Pistons have a negative 9.8 point differential. They're on a four-game losing streak. And they're just 1-9 in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score, and like I mentioned, it was actually the bench who led the way for the Knicks. They got 34 points from Alec Burks off the bench in 27 minutes. He was very efficient, 12 of 17 from the field and 5 of 8 from beyond the arc, and he was perfect also from the free throw line, 5 of 5, so really impressive scoring game here from Alec Burks, and I would not be surprised at all if he gets reinserted into the starting lineup. He also had four rebounds, two assists, three steals, and he was plus 28 in the plus minus, and that was not the team high that was actually the rookie miles mcbride but all five of the players to see the court off the bench for the knicks were significantly positive in the plus minus at least plus 27 whereas all five of the starters were significantly negative all at least negative 17 so a very disappointing output from the starters for the knicks but the bench definitely made up for it because they also got 18 points from the sophomore Emmanuel quickly in 35 minutes. He was not incredibly efficient, four of 13 from the field, but he was eight of eight from the free throw line and he had one rebound, two assists and one steal. He was plus 27 in the plus minus. 
So as for the starters, the Knicks got 15 points from R.J. Barrett in 25 minutes. He was 5 of 12 from the field. He had 1-3, 7 rebounds, 1 assist, and 1 block, but he was the team low, negative 29 in the plus-minus. The rest of the starters did not score in double digits. Julius Randle had a really disappointing game, just 5 points in 26 minutes. He was 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc, and he had 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. He was negative 27 in the plus-minus. They got 7 points from Mitchell Robinson in 20 minutes. He had 7 rebounds, 1 assist. This is the problem with Mitchell Robinson. Anytime you think he started to play well, he started to rack up double-doubles off the bench. He's inserted into the starting lineup, and then he comes out with a game like this. No defensive stats, just 3 of 7 from the field, 1 of 3 from the free throw line. He's just too inconsistent of a player, especially considering his already limited skill set. And the Knicks also got a really disappointing output from Kemba Walker and Quentin Grimes, the other two starters. They were a combined one of 10 from the field for just two points. Walker had the two with two rebounds and two assists as well. And Grimes did not score at all. He was 0 of 5, and he had one rebound and one steal. And so off the bench for the Knicks, besides Alec Burks and Emmanuel Quickly, they also got nine points from the backup sophomore big man, Obi Toppin, in 22 minutes. He was three of five from the field. He had four rebounds. He was plus 36 in the plus minus. The team high, like I mentioned in that regard, was Miles McBride. Despite not scoring at all, he was 0 of four from the field. He was plus 39 in the plus minus. He had four rebounds, three assists, two steals. And Todd Gibson rounding out the bench, played 28 minutes and had just four points, but he also had eight rebounds, two assists, four blocks and a steal and he was plus 31 and as for the Pistons they were missing a couple of their normal starters no Cade Cunningham no Killian Hayes and no Isaiah Stewart although I'm not exactly sure if the Pistons are going to be worse off without those guys in the starting lineup but nonetheless Sadiq Bey and Hamadou Diallo led the way in 43 minutes the sophomore Bey had 32 points on 9 of 19 shooting he had six three-pointers and he was 8 of 8 from the free throw line so it's really good to see him scoring more efficiently because he started the season off very poorly and he had nine rebounds three assists and a block they also got 31 from Hamadou Diallo he had a big double double 13 rebounds four assists four steals and he was incredibly efficient as well 13 of 19 from the field a fantastic performance from Hamadou Diallo throughout the box score and then the Pistons also got eight points from Derek Walton Jr. in the starting lineup in 37 minutes. He was three of 10 from the field. He had nine assists, one steal, and two blocks. They got four points from Luca Garza, the rookie, but he was ice cold, one of 10 from the field. He had nine rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. He was plus 14 in the plus minus, though. And Frank Jackson, rounding out the starting lineup, had just three points in 14 minutes. Off the bench for the Pistons, they did not get a lot of contributions. Just four points from Cassius Stanley in 27 minutes. He was 2 of 10 from the field. And then just three points from Justin Robinson in 11 minutes. He was 1 of 4 from the field, and he was a team low, negative 24 in the plus-minus. And the rest of the guys to see the court off the bench for the Pistons did not score at all. So a disappointing output, to say the least, from the bench for Detroit. All right, and next up, we can move on to Indiana, where the Hornets defeated the Pacers 116-108. to The Hornets were led by Terry Rozier. He had 35 points, and they also got a double-double from LaMelo Ball, 21-12, and and they got 18 from Gordon Hayward, whereas the Pacers were led by Karis LeVert. He had 27 points in the starting lineup. In fact, all five of the starters, plus O'Shea Brissett off the bench, scored in double digits. They got 15 and 18 from Demonis Sabonis. But unfortunately for the Pacers, they were just edged in the end by the Hornets. In fact, it was the first quarter where they opened up their lead initially. They outscored the Pacers 34-27 to in that first quarter. And then they actually expanded upon that lead in the second quarter. They once again outscored the Pacers by 7, 37-30. And so it was a 14-point lead at halftime. And the Hornets were able to hold on to that lead throughout the rest of the game. Now, the Pacers definitely made things interesting. They outscored the Hornets 25-19 to in the third, so they had cut the deficit to within double digits heading into the final period, and they remained within striking distance. It was about an eight-point lead throughout most of the fourth quarter, but the Pacers were never really able to make any headway there in the fourth. The Hornets always had an answer, especially Terry Rozier. He was really clutch throughout this game, but especially in the fourth quarter. So first, with 4.21 left on the clock, Keelan Martin hit a three-pointer that cut the deficit to five for the Pacers, but then Terry Rozier responded with a three himself with 3.11 on the clock, re-extending the lead to eight. But then Karis LeVert came back with another three-pointer, this time with 2.59 left on the clock. So once again, cutting that deficit to five, 
But then again, another clutch three-pointer from Terry Rozier after that, re-extending that lead once again back up to eight. And then after that, Miles Turner actually hit another three-pointer with 113 left on the clock. But the Pacers just sort of ran out of time. Mason Plumley got a dunk, and then Terry Rozier hit some free throws. And so the Hornets were able to hold on in the end and get this victory. And frankly, they shot the ball quite efficiently, 51% from the field and 34% from three. The Pacers were actually better from beyond the arc, 37%, but they were much worse from the field overall, 41%. And they were also out-rebounded by the Hornets. And they turned the ball over 18 times versus 14 for the Hornets. And so with this win, the Hornets now improved to 19 and 17. So they are in seventh right now in the Eastern Conference, just behind the Philadelphia 76ers in sixth. And they're two games behind the Cavaliers in fifth, one game up on the Wizards in eighth. And the Hornets are negative 0.9 in the point differential, which frankly puts them about where they should be in the conference standings. There's just a couple of teams below them that are better, but they're on a three game winning streak now and they're five and five in their last 10 games. And as for the Indiana Pacers, they are still in 13th in the Eastern Conference. They just cannot get out of that 13th seed. They are 14-21 and 21 with this loss, one and a half games behind the Atlanta Hawks in 12th, and seven games up on the Orlando Magic in 14th. And the Pacers have a plus 0.4 point differential still, which is actually seventh best in the conference, but that hasn't really made much of a difference for them. Uh, they're on a two-game losing streak, and they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Hornets, as I mentioned, were led by Terry Rozier with 35 points in 38 minutes. He was 13 of 23 from the field, 5 of 9 from beyond the arc, including those clutch two three-pointers at the end of the game. And he also had seven rebounds, three assists, two steals, and two blocks. Incredible production there from Terry Rozier. And he was plus 13 in the plus-minus, which was a team high, along with LaMelo Ball, who had 21 points in 34 minutes. He was also really efficient, 8 of 13 from the field. And he had 12 rebounds, 9 assists, and 1 steal. So really solid production from the two guards, Ball and Rogier. They also got 18 points from Gordon Hayward in his hometown. He was age of 13 from the field. He had 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. They also got 12 points from Jalen McDaniels in 30 minutes. He was 5 of 8 from the field. He had 3 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block. And Mason Plumley, the big man rounding out the starting lineup, had 8 points in 32 minutes. He also had 12 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. And off the bench for the Hornets, they got 13 points from Kelly Oubre Jr. In 24 minutes, he was 5 of 13 from the field. He had two threes, one rebound, three assists. Six points for Nick Richards, the backup big man, in 13 minutes. Had two rebounds, two steals. He was perfect two of two from the field. Two points for Ish Smith in 11 minutes. The backup point guard was 0 of 2 from the field, but he had four rebounds, two assists, one steal, and one point for Cody Martin in 24 minutes. He was ice cold 0 of 5 from the field. And as for the Indiana Pacers, they were led, as I mentioned, by Karis LeVert. He had 27 points in 39 minutes. He was 8 of 23 from the field. He had four three-pointers, seven rebounds, six assists, and two steals. So really solid production for LeVert throughout the box score. They also got a big double-double from Demonis Sabonis. 15 points, 18 rebounds in 37 minutes. He was only 8 of 9 from the field, but he was 8 of 14 from the free-throw line, and he had 7 assists, 2 steals, and a block. He did have 6 turnovers, but nonetheless, the production throughout the box score is really solid for Sabonis, that big double-double with the 7 assists. They also got 14 points from the other big man in the front court, Miles Turner. In 32 minutes, he was 5 of 11 from the field. He had 3 threes, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 4 blocks. 12 points for Justin Holiday in 34 minutes. He was 5 of 8 from the field. He had two steals. And 11 points for Chris Duarte, the rookie, rounding out the starting lineup. He was 5 of 7 from the field, and he had four assists and one steal. Off the bench for the Pacers, they got 14 points from O'Shea Brissett in 11 minutes. He was 5 of 11 from the field. He had three threes, five rebounds, two assists. They also got six points from Torrey Craig in 24 minutes. He was 2 of 6 from the field, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc. And nine points for Keelan Martin in 20 minutes. He had three three-pointers and two rebounds. All right, and next up we can move on to Boston, where the Celtics were disappointingly defeated by the L.A. Clippers, 91-82. to The Clippers were led by Marcus Morris. He had 23 points and 10 rebounds, and they also got 17 from three of the starters, Eric Bledsoe, Terrence Mann, and Luke Kennard. Whereas the Celtics were led by Jalen Brown, he had 30 points, and they also got a double-double from Robert Williams, 16 points, 14 rebounds. There was no Jason Tatum for Boston in this game, and there was no Paul George for the Clippers. 
And so this game was actually pretty close throughout. The Clippers were leading throughout the majority of regulation, but the Celtics kept going on these little runs and tying the game back up, but then they would allow the Clippers to reestablish a lead, and then they would go on another run. It happened several times throughout the course of this game. The Celtics were leading briefly in the second quarter, but that was the only time during this game where they were leading. And then they also made things interesting at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was actually the Clippers who were leading by six heading into the fourth. But then the Celtics quickly cut that deficit thanks in part to a Sam Hauser three-pointer with 10.37 left on the clock. So it was just a one-point game there for a little while, but eventually the Clippers started to pull away. The Celtics' offense kind of stagnated. Overall, in the fourth quarter, they were outscored 22-19, to and Eric Bledsoe was instrumental in that. He scored 10 of his 17 points in the fourth quarter, including a clutch three-pointer with 2.05 left on the clock that put the Clippers up by 8, 86-78, and they were able to hold on to that lead and get the victory in Boston. And unfortunately for the Celtics, they set a couple of dubious records in this game. First of all, they shot four of 42 from three, just 9.5%. That is the worst three-point percentage of any team in NBA history with at least 43s attempted. So atrocious shooting from the Celtics. And then another stat, Jalen Brown had 36 field goal attempts and zero assists. That's the most field goal attempts without an assist since 1980. Pretty remarkable stuff. So suffice it to say, this was a disappointing game for the Celtics. Overall, from the field, they just shot 34% versus 40% from the field for the Clippers. And while the Celtics shot 9% from three, the Clippers shot 39% from three. So pretty stark contrast there, to say the least. Now, the Clippers did turn the ball over 16 times versus eight for the Celtics. So that's one of the ways in which Boston was able to stay in this game. But in the end, the shooting was just too bad for the Celtics, just scoring 82 points in this game. And so this loss takes them to 16 and 19. So it's their third loss in a row. They're just three and seven in their last 10 games. They're all the way down in 10th in the Eastern Conference right now, just ahead of the Toronto Raptors in 11th and just half a game up on the Atlanta Hawks in 12th. And the Celtics are one game back from the Knicks now, and they do have a plus 0.6 point differential, which is better than the four teams ahead of them. But nonetheless, things are not exactly looking great at the moment for Ime Odoka and the Celtics. And as for the Clippers, this win takes them to 18 and 17. So they are in sixth in the Western Conference, just behind the Denver Nuggets in fifth, three and a half games behind the Memphis Grizzlies in fourth, and they're one and a half games up on the Lakers, Mavericks, and Timberwolves in seventh, eighth, and ninth. So pretty tightly contested there in the middle of the Western Conference, and the Clippers are plus 0.4 in the point differential, which puts them about where they should be in the conference standings. They're five and five in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Clippers, as I mentioned, were led by Marcus Morris. He had 23 points on 9 of 21 shooting. He did miss all of his three-pointers. He was 0 of 5 from beyond the arc, but he had 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal. He was plus 12 in the plus-minus. The team high in that regard was Eric Bledsoe. He had the 10 points in the fourth quarter, but he also had 17 points overall. He was plus 24 in the plus-minus. He was 6 of 15 from the field, 2 of 3 from beyond the arc. He had 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. They also got 17 points from Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard. Mann, in 36 minutes, was 7 of 11 from the field. He had two threes, five rebounds, three assists. And Kennard had 17 on 6 of 14 shooting. He had five three-pointers, four rebounds, four assists, one steal, and two blocks. And then Evita Zubats rounding out the starting lineup. Didn't do a whole lot offensively, just one point. He was 0 of 3 from the field, but he had 14 rebounds, one assist, and one block. And off the bench for the Clippers, they got eight points from Amir Coffey in 28 minutes. He was three of four from the field. He had three rebounds and three assists. And then they also got four points from Serge Ibaka in nine minutes and four as well from Keon Johnson, the rookie, in eight minutes. The rest of the bench did not score on the court. In fact, they were ice cold. Xavier Moon and Justice Winslow were a combined 0 of 9 from the field. And as for the Celtics, they were led, as I mentioned, by Jalen Brown. He had 30 points, but he did not shoot super efficiently. 13 of 36 from the field, 1 of 13 from 3, and 3 of 5 from the free throw line. He had 8 rebounds, 2 steals, but as I mentioned, 0 assists, 0 blocks. He was negative 2 in the plus-minus. They also got a nice double-double from Robert Williams. 16 points and 14 rebounds in 28 minutes. He was super efficient, 8 of 10 from the field, and he had 1 assist and 2 blocks, although he was negative 20 in the plus-minus. The only starter to have a positive plus-minus was Al Horford. The veteran big man had 9 points in 37 minutes. He was ice cold, though, 3 of 14 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3, and he had 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. 
And just four points for the other two starters, Peyton Pritchard and Romeo Langford. Langford, in 27 minutes, had four rebounds. He was two of six from the field. And Pritchard was two of 10 from the field, 0 of five from three. And he was negative 25 in the plus minus, which was a team low. Off the bench for the Celtics, they got six points from Grant Williams in 21 minutes. He had two three-pointers, so that's better than uh, any other Celtic. He had five rebounds, one assist, one steal. Six points for Josh Richardson in 32 minutes. He was three of 11 from the field. He had two rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block. Four points for Broderick Thomas in 14 minutes. He was just one of five from the field, but he was plus 16 in the plus minus, which was by far the team high. And then three points for Sam Hauser in seven minutes. All right, next up we can move on to Chicago, where the Bulls defeated the Hawks 131-117. to The Bulls were led by Zach Levine. He had 25 points, and they also got a big double-double from Nikola Vucevic, 16 points and 20 rebounds. In total, seven players for the Bulls scored in double digits, all five of the starters plus Tyler Cook and Io DeSumo off the bench, whereas the Hawks were led by Trey Young. He had 26 points and 11 assists. And they also got 18 points and 15 rebounds from Clint Capella. But unfortunately for the Hawks, they were very shorthanded in this game. Basically, their entire rotation was not available other than Trey Young, Clint Capella, and Cam Reddish. So they had guys coming off the bench like Cat Barber and Cameron Oliver and Malcolm Hill. And to their credit, some of those guys were actually pretty solid off the bench for Atlanta. It was the starters who were really losing this game. They were all at least negative 15 in the plus minus. And really, this game just came down to the second quarter. The Hawks were just two points behind the Bulls after the first quarter. It was a high-scoring first quarter, 38-36. to But then in the second, the Hawks were outscored 17-36. to So they were trailing by 22 points at halftime, just like that. And the Bulls were able to maintain that pretty significant lead throughout the rest of the game. The Hawks did chip away at it just a little bit, outscoring the Bulls by four in the third and then by three in the fourth. But... Nonetheless, this was still a total blowout, and it was the shooting that was unsurprisingly incredible for the Bulls. They shot 61% from the field, 45% from three. That is just absurd. Whereas the Hawks, they weren't terrible. They were 47% from the field and 42% from three, but just not good enough to keep pace with the Bulls. Now, Chicago did have 15 turnovers versus just 11 for the Hawks, but nonetheless, that shooting was just so incredible by Chicago that it did not even matter in the end. And so with this win, the Bulls now improved to 22 and 10. So they are still in second in the Eastern Conference, just one game behind the Brooklyn Nets in first, and one game up on the Milwaukee Bucks in third. And the Bulls have a plus 3.9 point differential, which is tied for third best in the East. They're on a five-game winning streak. Apparently, this is Zach Levine's first five-game winning streak of his entire NBA career. They are eight and two in their last 10 games. So really good stuff for Billy Donovan and the Chicago Bulls recently. And as for the Atlanta Hawks, this loss takes them to 15 and 19. So they are, on the other hand, uh, on a three-game losing streak all the way down in 12th. They're just one and a half games up on the Indiana Pacers in 13th, half a game behind the Raptors and Celtics in 10th and 11th. And the Hawks are exactly zero in the point differential, which is actually better than several teams ahead of them. And they're just three and seven in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Hawks, as I mentioned, were led by Trey Young. He had 26 points in 33 minutes. He was 10 of 23 from the field. He had two threes, three rebounds, 11 assists, but no steals, no blocks, and seven turnovers. And he was negative 19 in the plus minus. So not exactly the most dominant game for Trey Young, despite the big double-double. Clint Capella had a double-double as well, 18 points and 15 rebounds in 30 minutes. He was 7 of 14 from the field. He had three assists, but also no steals, no blocks. 14 for Cam Reddish in 31 minutes. He was 5 of 14 from the field. He had one rebound, two assists, two steals, and a block, although he was a team worst, negative 22 in the plus-minus. And then they got 16 points from Charlie Brown Jr. in 32 minutes. He was 5 of 12 from the field. He had three threes, three rebounds, and three assists. And seven points for Skylar Mays in 31 minutes. He had three rebounds, three assists, and one three-pointer. And off the bench for the Hawks, like I mentioned, they got a couple of nice contributions from some of these unheralded guys. 13 points for Malcolm Hill and Cameron Oliver. Hill, in 29 minutes, was 5 of 8 from the field and 3 of 5 from beyond the arc. And he had 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 3 steals, and a block. So really solid contributions there for Hill. And then 13 as well for Cameron Oliver in 18 minutes. He was perfect, 6 of 6 from the field. And he had 4 rebounds, 1 assist, and 1 block. They also got... Eight points from Wes Wundu in 16 minutes. He was two of three from the field. Two points for Lance Stevenson in 13 minutes. And Cat Barber rounding out the bench. Despite having the best plus minus on the team, plus nine, he did not score in his seven minutes. He was 0 of two from the field and 0 of four from the free throw line. 
And as for the Chicago Bulls, they were led by Zach Levine. In 32 minutes, he had 25 points on an incredibly efficient 10 of 13 shooting. He was 5 of 7 from 3. He had 2 rebounds, 5 assists, and he was plus 16 in the plus minus. So incredible scoring from Zach Levine as usual. They also got a double-double from Nikola Vucevic, 16 points and 20 rebounds, one assist, three steals, and a block. He did miss all three of his three-point attempts, but he was 8 of 14 from the field overall, so solid contribution there from Vucevic. They also got 20 from DeMar DeRozan in 36 minutes. He was 8 of 18 from the field. He had four rebounds, eight assists, a double-double as well for Kobe White. He had 17 points and 12 assists in 35 minutes. He was 6 of 14 from the field. He had three threes, three rebounds, and a block. And then 14 points for Javante Green rounding out the starting lineup. He played just 23 minutes, but he was 4 of 5 from the field. He had 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. And he was a team-high plus 24 in the plus-minus. So really nice contributions from all five of the starters for the Bulls. And then they also got double-digit scoring from two guys off the bench. 14 for the rookie, Io Desunmu, in 20 minutes. He was super efficient, 6 of 7 from the field. And he also had 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. And then they got 10 points from Tyler Cook. In 12 minutes, he was also really efficient, 5 of 6 from the field, and he had 3 rebounds. And then they got myriad contributions from other guys. 5 points from Matt Thomas in 16 minutes, 2 points from Matt McClung in 3 minutes, 2 points for Damian Dotson, 2 for Derek Jones Jr., and then 4 points for Troy Brown Jr. He actually led the bench in minutes played. He played 23 minutes, but he was a team low, negative 8 in the plus minus, but he kind of stuffed the stat sheet. He had 3 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals. All right, and next up we can move on to Memphis, where the Grizzlies defeated the LA Lakers 104-99. The Grizz were led by John Morant. He had 41 points and 10 rebounds, and they also got 20 from Desmond Bain, whereas the Lakers were led by LeBron James. He had 37 points and 13 rebounds. He was incredible in this game. Eight three-pointers tying his career high in that regard, and they also got a triple-double from Russell Westbrook. 16 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds, but unfortunately for LA, they completely fell apart at the end of this game. They were leading throughout the majority of regulation. They had outscored the Grizzlies 30-23 to in the first, and then they pretty much maintained that lead throughout the rest of the game. In fact, they had ballooned the lead all the way up to 14 with a couple of minutes to go in the third quarter. It was 80-66 to after a two-pointer from Malik Monk, so it looked like the Lakers were going to cruise to victory in this game. But then from there on out, throughout the final couple of minutes of the third, and then throughout the fourth quarter, the Lakers just fell apart, totally capitulated. By the end of the third, the Grizzlies had already cut into that deficit pretty significantly. It was already down to five. And then in the fourth, they just continued to overtake the Lakers. They outscored LA 26 to 16 in the final period. John Morant was instrumental, of course. He had a clutch three-pointer with six minutes to go that put the Grizzlies up by four, 96 to 92. And then a couple minutes later, LeBron hit a clutch three with 2.48 left on the clock, cutting the deficit to three, 97 to 100. But the Grizzlies were just able to hold on. John Morant got another clutch bucket there with 1.13 left on the clock. And so the Grizzlies just able to hold on after being down big late in the third quarter. They made this comeback in Memphis. And actually, they shot the ball worse than the Lakers in both regards. Field goal percentage, 41% versus 45% for LA. And from beyond the arc, they were 33% versus the Lakers were 36%. So how did the Lakers lose this game? Well, it was the turnovers that really killed them. They had 18 versus just 13 turnovers for the Grizzlies. And the Grizz also out-rebounded the Lakers as well. So... In the end, it was a tough, gritty win for the Grizzlies, led by their star player, John Morant. And so they now improved to 22-14. and 14. That is good for fourth in the West. They are four games behind the Utah Jazz in third, but three and a half games up on the Denver Nuggets in fifth. So... The Grizzlies have really carved out a nice little spot for themselves there in the fourth seed in the West, and they have a plus 2.6 point differential, which is fourth best in the conference. They're on a three-game winning streak, and they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. And as for the LA Lakers, this loss takes them to 17-19. and 19. So they are down in seventh in the Western Conference, just ahead of the Dallas Mavericks and Minnesota Timberwolves in eighth and ninth. It is very tightly contested there in the middle of the West. And then the Lakers are one and a half games up on the Spurs in 10th, and they're one and a half games behind the LA Clippers in sixth. And the Lakers have a negative 2.1 point differential, which is actually uh, worse than the three teams below them. They're four and six in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score, and the Lakers, as I mentioned, were led by LeBron and Russell Westbrook. LeBron was just incredible in this game once again. He has just been putting up insane numbers over this stretch of disappointing form for the Lakers. In this game, he had 37 points in 38 minutes. 
He was pretty efficient, 13 of 25 from the field, 8 of 14 from 3. As I mentioned, that ties his career high for three-pointers made, and he was 3 of 3 from the free throw line. He had 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks, just insane numbers throughout the box score. He did have 5 turnovers, and he was 0 in the plus-minus, which was actually the only starter to not be positive. All four of the players off the bench for the Lakers were negative, but LeBron, nonetheless, still putting up just insane numbers throughout the box score. And then the triple-double for Russell Westbrook. 16 points, 12 assists, 10 rebounds in 40 minutes. He was 7 of 16 from the field, so not terribly inefficient. He was 2 of 4 from 3, and he didn't have any seals or blocks, and he had 5 turnovers. 15 points from Malik Monk in 31 minutes. He was really efficient, 6 of 9 from the field. He had 2 threes, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. He's been starting the last couple of games, and he's looked pretty good in the starting lineup. And they also got seven points from Avery Bradley in 33 minutes. He was three of eight from the field. He had one three-pointer and nothing else in the box score. No rebounds, assists, steals, or blocks. And then they got six points from Dwight Howard in 16 minutes. He had one rebound and one assist. He was plus 17, which was a team high. And off the bench for the Lakers, as I mentioned, all four of the guys to see the court, they all scored, but they were all at least negative seven in the plus minus. Seven points for Stanley Johnson in 23 minutes. He was three of five from the field. He had three rebounds, one steal, and two blocks but he was negative 18 in the plus minus, which was a team low. Five points for Carmelo Anthony in 30 minutes. He was just two of 11 from the field. Two points for Darren Collison, the recent acquisition, the veteran point guard in 11 minutes. And four points from Talon Horton Tucker. He was just two of seven from the field in 19 minutes. And as for the Grizzlies, they were led, of course, by John Morant. He was just incredible in this game, going toe-to-toe with LeBron. He had 41 points in 36 minutes. He was 13 of 27 from the field, 6 of 7, though, from beyond the arc, and 9 of 12 from the free throw line. He had 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. Insane numbers for John Morant. He did have 6 turnovers, but nonetheless, just incredible stuff for the point guard. And then they also got 20 points from the sophomore, Desmond Bain, in 35 minutes. He was 6 of 18 from the field. He had three threes, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, and one block, although he was negative nine in the plus minus, which was a team low. They also got 15 points from Jared Jackson Jr. In 33 minutes, he was five of 14 from the field. He had four rebounds, one assist, three steals, and a block. Eight points for Kyle Anderson in 30 minutes. He was three of five from the field. He had four rebounds, two assists. He was plus 10 in the plus minus. That was a starter's high. And then four points for Steven Adams rounding out the starting lineup. He had six rebounds in 26 minutes. And off the bench for the Grizzlies, they got six points from Xavier Tillman, the backup big man, in 12 minutes. Four points for Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark. And two points for Shaq Buchanan in seven minutes. Killian Tilly did not score. He was 0-4 from the field. All right, and next up we can move on to Phoenix, where the Suns defeated the OKC Thunder 115-97. The Suns were led by Devin Booker. He had 38 points in 36 minutes. He was 12 of 24 from the field. He had six three-pointers, and they got 16 from JaVale McGee in the starting lineup. Whereas the Thunder, who were missing several guys, including most notably Shea Gildas-Alexander, were led by Ty Jerome in the starting lineup. He had 24 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds, and they also got 22 from Aaron Wiggins. So unfortunately for the Thunder, they were just a bit too shorthanded in this game. They were actually going toe-to-toe with the Suns throughout the first three quarters, which is pretty impressive in and of itself. But then they just fell apart in the fourth. The Suns were able to easily pull away, outscoring the Thunder 30-16. to And so this was, in the end, a comfortable win for the Suns. But credit to the Thunder for staying with uh, Phoenix throughout those first three quarters. It was back and forth throughout the entire first, second, and third. But in the end, the Suns just shot too efficiently, 46% from the field and 34 from three. The Thunder, on the other hand, were just 39% from the field and 20% from beyond the arc. And they were also dominated on the rebounds, 56 to 45. So a good win here for the Suns, who now improved to 27 and seven. So they are still in second in the West, but they're now tied with the Golden State Warriors at 27 and seven. They're both two games up on the Utah Jazz in third. The Suns have a plus 7.4 point differential, which is third best in the entire NBA behind just the Warriors and Jazz. And they're seven and three in their last 10 games. And as for the OKC Thunder, this loss takes them to 12 and 22. So they are in second to last in the West, just two and a half games up on the Houston Rockets in 15th and half a game behind the New Orleans Pelicans in 13th. And the Thunder are negative 7.8 in the point differential, which is tied with the Rockets for worst in the West. They're on a two game losing streak now. They're four and six in their last 10 games. 
All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Thunder, as I mentioned, with no Shea Gildas-Alexander, were led by Ty Jerome. He had 24 points in 35 minutes. He was not super efficient, 9 of 22 from the field, just 1 of 6 from beyond the arc. But he had 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 steals, and he was negative 3 in the plus-minus. So overall, solid production for Ty Jerome. And they also got nice contributions from Aaron Wiggins in 39 minutes. He was 10 of 19 from the field. He had 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals, although he was 1 of 5 from 3. In fact, four of the five starters, excluding Isaiah Roby, were absolutely terrible shooting the ball from beyond the arc. Lou Dort was 0 of 7, Paul Watson was 1 of 5, Ty Jerome was 1 of 6, and Aaron Wiggins was 1 of 5. So that is just terrible shooting from 3 for OKC. But Roby was okay. He was 2 of 3 from beyond the arc in 19 minutes. He had 10 points, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. They got 11 points from Paul Watson in 37 minutes. Despite going 1 of 5 from 3, he was 5 of 9 from the field overall, and he had 6 rebounds and 2 assists, although he was negative 15 in the plus-minus. That was a team low. And then 9 points for Lou Dort in 35 minutes. He was brutal in this game, 3 of 18 from the field, and he had 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. Off the bench for OKC, they got 13 points from the veteran Mike Muscala. In 15 minutes, he was 4 of 9 from the field. He had 2 threes and 5 rebounds. And then just four points for Scotty Hobson and Teo Maladon. The rest of the bench did not score at all. But as for the Phoenix Suns, they were led by Devin Booker. He had an incredible game, 38 points in 36 minutes. He was really efficient, 12 of 24 from the field, 6 of 12 from beyond the arc, and 8 of 10 from the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks, and he was plus 18 in the plus minus. That was a starter's high. So overall, incredible production from Booker. They also got 16 points from the backup big man JaVale McGee inserted into the starting lineup as DeAndre Ayton is still missing. He was 4 of 7 from the field in this one in just 23 minutes. He was 8 of 12 from the free throw line. He had 8 rebounds and 2 blocks. And then Jay Crowder is also still out for Phoenix. So Cameron Johnson started and he had 12 points in 23 minutes. He was 5 of 10 from the field and he had two threes, six rebounds and one assist. And then they also got 10 points from Chris Paul in 32 minutes. He was 4 of 9 from the field. He had five rebounds, five assists, two steals. And just five points for Mikhail Bridges in 33 minutes. He was 2 of 6 from the field, but he did have seven rebounds and two assists. And off the bench for the Suns, they got 16 from Cameron Payne, the backup point guard. In 31 minutes, he was 7 of 13 from the field. He had two threes, two rebounds, seven assists, and a steal. And he was plus 30 in the plus minus, which was by far the team high. So incredible stuff there for Payne, the backup point guard. And then they also got a nice double-double from Jalen Smith, the sophomore. This is definitely the best stretch of his young NBA career. He was terrible his rookie season, and he hasn't really shown that much so far his sophomore season, but he's been playing better recently. He had 11 points and 14 rebounds in this game. He was 4 of 7 from the field. He had 1 steal and 2 blocks, and he was plus 20 in the plus-minus. They also got 7 points from Landry Shamit in 28 minutes. He was just 3 of 10 from the field, and that was it in terms of the scoring off the bench for Phoenix. All right, and next up we can move on to Portland where the Trailblazers were defeated by the Utah Jazz, 120-105. to The Jazz were led by Rudy Gobert. He had a big double-double, 22 points and 14 rebounds. And they also got double-digit scoring from two other starters and three guys off the bench. Rudy Gay had 21, Jordan Clarkson had 19, and then a double-double for Hassan Whiteside as well, 15 and 11. So nice contributions throughout the box score for the Utah Jazz. There was no Donovan Mitchell. And as for the Portland Trailblazers, they were led by Damian Lillard. He had 32 points in 37 minutes, and they also got 32 from Norman Powell and 14 from Larry Nance Jr. But those three players were the only Trailblazers to score in double digits. There was no C.J. McCollum, of course, still, and also no Yusuf Nurkic in this game either. So the Trailblazers were a bit shorthanded, and they were significantly outplayed pretty much from the jump. They were outscored uh 36 to 27 in the first quarter. So they pretty quickly opened up about a double digit lead. And then they basically just maintained that lead throughout the rest of the game. It waxed and waned just a little bit. But for the most part, it was around 10 points throughout the second and third quarters. At the end of the third and beginning of the fourth, the Trailblazers offense kind of stagnated and the Jazz were able to balloon their lead all the way up to 20 with six minutes to go after Trent Forrest had a layup. It was 109 to 89. So this game in the end was pretty much a blowout for the Jazz. And so unsurprisingly, they shot the ball very efficiently, 52% from the field versus just 42% for the Trailblazers. 
But that being said, the Trailblazers did at least shoot the three ball pretty efficiently, 35% versus just 27% from three for the Jazz. Uncharacteristically poor three-point shooting for Utah, but nonetheless, the disparity in field goal percentage overall was just too much for the Blazers to overcome. And so with this loss, they now fall to 13-21. and 21. So they have been really struggling lately. They're just 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, and they're now on a three-game losing streak. They're down in 12th, one game behind the Sacramento Kings in 11th, and just half a game up on the New Orleans Pelicans in 13th. And the Blazers are negative 3.6 in the point differential, which is fifth worst in the West. So it is like DEFCON 1 for Chauncey Billups and the Blazers. And as for the Utah Jazz, this win takes them to 25-9. and nine. So they are up in third, uh, just two games behind the Suns and Warriors in first and second, and four games up on the Grizzlies in fourth. And the Jazz are plus 10.3. They have now overtaken the Warriors for best point differential in the entire NBA. And they're on a five-game winning streak. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. All right, so moving on to the box score. And the Jazz, as I mentioned, were led by Rudy Gobert. He had a nice double-double, 22 points and 14 rebounds with two blocks. He was 8 of 10 from the field. He was just 6 of 12 from the free throw line, but nonetheless, really solid production throughout the box score for Gobert. And he was plus 15 in the plus-minus, as was Mike Conley. He had 15 points as well in 30 minutes. He was 5 of 13 from the field, just 1 of 6 from beyond the arc. He had 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 rebound. 5 points only for Joe Ingles inserted into the starting line up in place of Donovan Mitchell, but he was plus 25. That was a team high in the plus minus. He was just one of three from the field. He had three rebounds and three assists. 15 points for Boyan Bogdanovich in 27 minutes. He was six of 14 from the field. He had three rebounds, two assists, one steal, and four points for Royce O'Neal rounding out the starting lineup. He played 30 minutes and had two rebounds, two assists. And off the bench for the Jazz, they got 21 points from Rudy Gay in 24 minutes. He was 8 of 13 from the field. He had three three-pointers, six rebounds, one assist, and he was plus 12 in the plus-minus. So one of his better games so far as a member of the Utah Jazz. And 19 points for Jordan Clarkson in 30 minutes. He was 8 of 16 from the field. He had two threes, four rebounds, five assists, and two steals. 15 points and 11 rebounds for Hassan Whiteside. In 19 minutes, the backup big man was 6 of 9 from the field, one assist, one steal, and one block. So really productive numbers there for Whiteside in limited minutes. And then they also got four points from Trent Forrest in 17 minutes. And as for the Portland Trailblazers, they were led by Damian Lillard and Norman Powell, both of whom had 32 points. Lillard had five three-pointers. He was 10 of 23 from the field overall. He had six rebounds, four assists, and one steal, but he was negative 22 in the plus-minus. That was a team low. And 32 as well for Norman Powell. In 43 minutes, he was 11 of 23 from the field. He had four three-pointers. He was six of six from the free-throw line, but he had two rebounds, one assist, one steal only. They also got 14 points from Larry Nance, still in the starting lineup. In 32 minutes, he was 6 of 13 from the field, and he had 9 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 steals. So solid production there for Nance. And then they also just got 3 points from Tony Snell in 16 minutes. He was just 1 of 2 from the field. He had 3 rebounds, and 2 points for Nasir Little in 23 minutes. Moving on to the bench, the Trailblazers got 7 points from Anthony Simons in 29 minutes. He was 3 of 13 from the field, but he had 5 rebounds and 5 assists. 6 points for CJ Ellaby in 18 minutes. 4 for Reggie Perry in 14 minutes. 4 points as well for Cameron McGriff in 20 minutes. He had 8 rebounds in that time. And 1 point for Brandon Williams in 5 minutes. All right, and finally, we can move on to Sacramento, where the Kings just edged past the Dallas Mavericks 95-94 to thanks to a clutch three-point buzzer beater from Chemezi Metu, a guy who you wouldn't typically associate with three-point shooting, came up clutch when they needed it most. They were down by two with just a couple of seconds to go. De'Aaron Fox drove the lane and kicked it out to Metu, and he knocked down the three-pointer as the buzzer sounded. So incredible finish to this game, a good win for the Kings. They were led overall by De'Aaron Fox. He had 16 points. And they also got 14 points from the rookie Davion Mitchell off the bench, as well as Harrison Barnes. Whereas the Mavericks, who are still without Luka Doncic, were led by Jalen Brunson and Kristaps Porzingis. They had 24 and 25 points, respectively. And the Mavericks looked good early on. They had outscored the Kings 30-20 to in the first quarter. But then the Kings came roaring back in the second. They outscored the Mavs 35-13 to in that second quarter. So they had built up a pretty significant lead by halftime. And then they maintained that lead throughout the first half of the third quarter. But then this time it was the Mavericks' turn to make a comeback. And they came storming back at the end of the third quarter. And overall, they had outscored the Kings 26-17 to in the third. And so this game was just back and forth. It was the Mavericks early who were leading. Then the Kings took control in the second. Then the Mavericks reestablished control in the third. And then it was just back 
back and forth throughout the fourth fittingly, and ultimately it was that clutch bucket from Chemezi Metu that was the difference maker in this one. And unsurprisingly, the teams shot pretty similarly from the field and from three, uh, and the turnovers and the rebounds were all similar as well. So this game was really close in the end, but the Kings just got the win, and so they now improved to 15-21 and 21, uh, on the season. They are in 11th right now in the Western Conference, one game up on the Trailblazers in 12th, and just half a game behind the San Antonio Spurs in 10th. And the Kings are on a two-game winning streak. They're four and six in their last 10, but they've got a negative 4.1 point differential, though, which is still fourth worst in the conference. And as for the Mavericks, this loss takes them to 16 and 18. So they are in eighth right now in the West, tied with the Timberwolves in ninth, and just behind the Lakers by one percentage point. The Mavericks are four and six in their last 10 games, and they have a plus 0.2 point differential, which puts them about where they should be in the conference standings. All right, so moving on to the box score, and the Mavericks were led, as I mentioned, by Porzingis and Brunson. With no Luka Doncic, Brunson has been really solid carrying the team offensively. He had 25 points in this game. He was 11 of 19 from the field. He had two three-pointers, two rebounds, six assists, and a steal. And then Porzingis had 24 points in 35 minutes. He was 8 of 19 from the field, just one of six from beyond the arc, but he was 7 of 8 from the free throw line, and he had seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, and three blocks. They also got 11 points from Dorian Finney-Smith. He was the only other Maverick to score in double digits. In 27 minutes, he was 4 of 8 from the field. He had three threes, six rebounds, and one steal. He did foul out of the game as well. They got 9 points from Frank Nilakina in 38 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field. He had three rebounds, three assists, two steals. And Dwight Powell, rounding out the starting lineup, had just two points in 28 minutes. He was 1 of 4 from the field and 0 of 2 from the free throw line. And he had six rebounds, one assist, one steal. And off the bench for the Mavericks, they got eight points from Sterling Brown in 18 minutes. He had two threes, two rebounds. Five points for Moses Brown, the backup big man in 10 minutes, was two of three from the field. He had five rebounds. Four points for Josh Green in 28 minutes. And Isaiah Thomas rounding out the scorers off the bench for the Mavericks. He was with the Lakers on a 10-day contract, but they did not renew that contract, so he was back in his hometown of Seattle. And just a couple of hours before the game, he got a call asking if he wanted to play for the Mavericks. And so he was like, yeah, I'll be there. So he flew down to Sacramento, played 13 minutes off the bench and had six points and four assists in that time. So these veterans continue to just bounce around from team to team with all the COVID health and safety protocols and absences that we're dealing with this year. But as for the Sacramento Kings, they were led by De'Aaron Fox. He had 16 points in 34 minutes. He was 7 of 12 from the field. He had one rebound, three assists, and a steal. He was plus 12 in the plus minus. That was a team high. They also got 14 points from Harrison Barnes. In 34 minutes, he was 4 of 10 from the field. He had six rebounds, one assist. 11 points for Marvin Bagley in the starting lineup. In 28 minutes, he was 4 of 8 from the field. He had 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. They got a double-double from Tyrese Halliburton, the sophomore. He had 12 points and 10 assists in 36 minutes. He was 4 of 13 from the field. He had 2 rebounds. And Rashawn Holmes, the big man rounding out the starting lineup, had 8 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. And off the bench for the Kings, they got 14 points from the rookie Davion Mitchell in 19 minutes. He was very efficient, 6 of 9 from the field. They also got 11 points, including that clutch 3-pointer at the end of the game from Chemezi Metu in 20 minutes. He was 4 of 8 from the field. He had 8 rebounds, 1 steal, and 1 block. 6 points for Damian Jones in 22 minutes. He was 3 of 5 from the field. He had 6 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 points for Buddy Heald in 23 minutes. All right, and that will do it for our box score breakdown. So we can now move on to fantasy, the standout and surprising fantasy lines of the night. And we had a couple of really good options for both standout and surprising line of the night. For standout line of the night, some of the options that we wanted to run through, you had big scoring games from several guys. 38 points for Devin Booker in 36 minutes. Nikola Vucevic had a big double-double, 16 points and 20 rebounds. Terry Rozier had 35. Uh, John Morant had 41 and 10. He was probably the toughest omission because he also had two assists, two steals, and two blocks. So really solid stuff for John Morant. But in the end, for fantasy standout line of the night, we're going to go with his opponent in this game, LeBron James. Despite the fact that it came in a loss, uh, that does not matter for fantasy. And he just put up incredible numbers once again. He's won this award like three times in the last couple of weeks. In this game, he had 37 points on 13 of 25 shooting. He was 3 of 3 from the free throw line. He also had 
eight three-pointers, tying a career high for himself. He was 8 of 14 overall from three, and he had 13 rebounds, seven assists, two steals, and two blocks. Just incredible production throughout the box score. He did have five turnovers, but Morant had six turnovers, and so other than that, you can't complain about much with this line from LeBron. The four combined steals and blocks, the 20 combined rebounds and assists, and then the 37 points is just incredible stuff. So LeBron is your standout line of the night. And then as for surprising line of the night, we had a couple of options, but in the end, it had to be Hamadou Diallo for the Detroit Pistons. He is in the starting lineup considering all the guys that they were missing in this game. And in 39 minutes, he was incredibly efficient, 13 of 19 from the field for 31 points. He also had 13 rebounds, four assists, and four steals. And he had four turnovers. He was just four of seven from the free throw line. But nonetheless, incredible production from Diallo. Uh, the double-double with the 31 points and the four steals. Fantastic stuff and incredible efficiency. 13 of 19 from the field overall. So Hamadou Diallo for the Detroit Pistons is hands down your surprising line of the night. And LeBron James is absolutely your standout line of the night. All right, and with that, we can move on now to our preview for tonight, Thursday, December the 30th. And we've just got four games on in the NBA today. Starting off in Washington, the Wizards are taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Wiz are favorites. They are minus three and a half. In Orlando, the Magic face the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Bucks are huge favorites. They are minus 14. In Brooklyn, the Nets take on the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Nets are minus four and a half. And finally, in Denver, the Nuggets are taking on the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors are minus four. All right, so some intriguing games here uh, in the NBA tonight. I love a huge line, minus 14 for the Bucks in Orlando. Um, I'm also very intrigued by this Brooklyn Nets-Philadelphia 76ers matchup. I would be inclined to go with the Brooklyn Nets in this one, but the 76ers have been playing a little bit better recently. Uh, Joel Embiid has been playing absolutely like an MVP candidate lately. They are on a two-game winning streak, so I don't really want to go against the 76ers, but I don't have enough faith in them to take them plus four and a half. I was also really tempted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, plus three and a half in Washington, but they've just got too many injuries and absences that they're dealing with right now. They're basically missing like their entire starting rotation. Garland and Allen are both out with the COVID health and safety protocols. Of course, unfortunately, Ricky Rubio just tore his ACL and he's going to miss the rest of the season. That is a major blow for the Cavaliers as they're already still without Colin Sexton. And then of course, they're also missing Chetty Osmond. So it's just like a ton of guys are out for the Cavaliers. So I wanted to go with them. Uh, they've got that best in the Eastern Conference plus 6.2 point differential, but I just couldn't in good conscience take them with all the injuries that they're dealing with. So ultimately, we're just going to go with one best bet for today, and it's going to be the Denver Nuggets at home versus the Golden State Warriors. Now, I don't feel great about this one. It was kind of just process of elimination, the only one that seemed reasonable as a pick. Uh, but the Golden State Warriors always have the capability to blow out a team like the Nuggets, a middling team in the Western Conference. They're in fifth right now, nine and a half games off of the Warriors in first. And the Warriors still have the second best point differential in the entire NBA at plus 10. But they've just been a little bit less uh, dominant over the last couple of weeks than they had been earlier in the season. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. And the Nuggets have been really solid lately. They're on a two-game winning streak, and they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. Nikola Jokic is just playing like an absolute uh, madman. He's absolutely one of the front runners for the MVP once again this season. And so I think just based on Nikola Jokic's incredible play, I think the Nuggets can at least keep this game close. That just seems like a little bit too high of a line. And of course, the Warriors are still banged up a little bit as well. So I will take the Denver Nuggets plus four at home versus the Golden State Warriors. And that will do it for us today. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to follow the show on social, we are at NBA Recap Pod, or you can just search YouTube or smart speakers for NBA Recap Podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to recap all four of those games and to preview the action for Friday, December the 31st. Until then, thanks for tuning in.